Welcome to Grace and Glory Audio, featuring Pastor P.G. Matthew, Bible teacher and pastor of Grace Valley Christian Center, located in Davis, California. Today, Pastor Matthew will continue his Bible series from the book of Isaiah with this message entitled, We Are God's Delight. If you have your Bible with you, please turn to Isaiah 62. Now, here's our teacher, Pastor P.G. Matthew. Let us pray, Heavenly Father, we deserved nothing but just wrath from you. But we received nothing but eternal salvation from you. Because we are told in your book that you punished in our place your own son. That we may not be punished. That you may be just and justifier of those who will trust in your son Jesus Christ for their eternal salvation. Lord, we praise you and thank you for saving us in this manner. We glory in your great plan of redemption. We glory in your son's work of redemption. We glory in the Spirit's work of applying this salvation to each one of us. And even this morning, you are mighty to save. Save your people, heal your people. Encourage and comfort your people. Open our minds that we may understand the infinity of your love for us. For we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. If you just want one word as a title to my sermon, it is found in verse 4 of this chapter. Hephzibah. Half hates. It's a Hebrew word, means pleasure, delight, joy, happiness. Hefsi means my delight. Ba means in her. So my happiness is in her. My joy is in her. My delight is in her. God is speaking that his delight is in you, is in his church, is in his people. What a mighty statement that is. That God finds his pleasure in us. Let me ask you the question. What is the most beautiful and precious thing God has ever created in history? More beautiful than all the universe. And more beautiful than his holy angels. And the answer is you. This is just amazing. You. A Christian. You are God's handiwork. God's creation. Most beautiful thing in the entire universe. In whom God finds his eternal pleasure. You. The Christian. The church. The holy people of God. The bride of Christ. It is time that we stopped listening to the devil who tells us how terrible we are, how stupid we are, how miserable we are, how timid we are. May God help us to hear the whisper in our ears of the Holy Spirit that you are the delight of God. That God rejoices over you. The whole heaven rejoices over the church. And the whole heaven rejoices over you. At this moment. As we are gathered together to hear. 
the very word of God. The church is the delight of God. She is the praise of the whole earth, it says here, if you read it. She is the praise of the whole earth. The whole heaven rejoices over us. I want to speak to you three things from this chapter. First is God's purpose. God's purpose. Second is Christ's work. And third is a glorious church. Hephzibah by name. And we read in Jeremiah chapter 29. The Lord says, for I know the plans I have for you. Plans to prosper you. And not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future that is a glorious eternal future. Not just a future, a future that is glorious, filled with happiness. He has a good plan for each one of us. He has a great plan. He has a holy and heavenly plan for us. He has a glorious plan for his church. He has an eternal plan for us. Let's read this plan as described to us by St. Paul in Ephesians chapter 1 and beginning with verse 3. And may God give you understanding concerning your own glory, dignity, relationship, purpose, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love he predestined us to be adopted as his sons through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him we have redemption. Through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us, with all wisdom and understanding. And he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure which he purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times will have reached their fulfillment to bring all things in heaven and on earth together under one head, even Christ. He chose us before the creation of the world to be holy and what? Not rich and famous and powerful in this world. He has a grander purpose. And turn to Ephesians 5. Let me read to you from verse 25. And following husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy. Cleansing her by the washing with water through the word. And to present her to himself. As a radiant church, a glorious church, a sparkling church, a resplendent church, without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. For the 
ultimate purpose of eternal communion with God. And Isaiah, the prophet in 62nd chapter, reveals the same purpose of God for us. Listen to verse 1. For Zion's sake, that's speaking about the church. For Zion's sake, I will not keep silent. For Jerusalem's sake, I will not remain quiet. Until her righteousness shines out like the dawn. Her salvation like a blazing torch. There it is, a radiant church, a glorious church. Because the Messiah loves Zion, the remnant people of God, he will not keep silent. He will pray and intercede for us. For the sake of Zion, the Messiah will act savingly. He will work a work that will benefit us and make us shine like stars in the world. That is his commitment to us. He will pray and act until her righteousness shines out like the dawn and her salvation like a blazing torch, not like a candle, a blazing torch. The truth is, Zion has no righteousness. She has no salvation. She has no light. She has no glory or dignity. Zion was called deserted, desolate, divorced, lonely. Let me read to you what Zion speaks about herself from Isaiah 59 beginning with verse 9 we preached on this so justice is far from us and righteousness does not reach us we look for light but all is darkness for brightness but we walk in deep shadows like the blind we grope along the wall feeling our way like men without eyes At midday we stumble as if it were twilight. Among the strong we are like the dead. We all growl like bears. We mourn mournfully like doves. We look for justice but find none for deliverance but it is far away. For our offenses are many in your sight and our sins testify against us. Our offenses are ever with us. And we acknowledge our iniquities and so on. That is the situation of Zion. And if you read Hosea chapter 1, Zion is called Jezreel, meaning scattered ones, punished by God for rebellion. There is another name given to her, Loruhama, no mercy. Without mercy because of her sin. Then another name is given there. Lo ami. Not my people. Because of her idolatry. Zion is represented by Isaiah himself. In chapter 6. Let's turn to it. And let me read from verse 5 and following. Woe to me. I cried. I'm ruined. 
For I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. And my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. That's the nature of Zion. Same was the response of St. Peter when he saw the Lord as God. Depart from me, for I am a sinful person. And St. Paul tells us the same thing. Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 2. The classic passage that deals with man's total depravity and total moral inability to merit any salvation from God. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedience. And now listen, all of us also lived among them at one time, all of us, including St. Paul, the righteous Pharisee himself, all of us also lived among them at one time gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature and following its desires and thoughts like the rest. We were by nature objects of wrath. Or turn with me to the book of Romans chapter 5. Now let me read to you from verse 6 and following you see at just the right time when we were still powerless Christ died for the ungodly. And verse 8, But God demonstrates his love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And verse 10, For if when we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more having been reconciled shall we be saved through his life? There it is. We were without strength. We were sinners, we were ungodly, dead in sins, enemies of God. We were darkness, covenant breakers, who merited fully the just wrath of God. Yet God's eternal purpose, based on his everlasting covenant, is to make us glorious. Most precious creation of God in the entire universe. You! That's his purpose concerning you and concerning anyone who will turn to him. What a glorious, eternal, heavenly, wonderful plan that gives you such status and dignity and esteem. And so we are told God will not be silent. God will speak. And God will act until we become what he planned for us to be from all eternity. Until every elect of God shines out like dawn. Like a blazing torch. St. Paul tells us in Ephesians 5. We are no longer darkness. But we are light in the Lord. We are righteousness of God forever. We are saved forever by grace. He did not give us what we deserved. He gave us what we never deserved. Unbelievable divine salvation. The second point is he did this through Christ's work, redeeming work. 
the question is, how can a sinner become a saint? How can darkness become light? How can the dead become alive forevermore? How can the wicked become righteous? We cannot save ourselves. We cannot transform ourselves. But God accomplishes this miracle in us through his plan of salvation, through the work of Christ, God's Son, the Messiah, our substitute. Let's praise God for our substitute. So St. Paul tells us in Second Corinthians chapter 5, That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ. And now listen. Not counting men's sins against them. Let's say together. Not counting men's sins against them. Hallelujah. And many centuries before St. Paul, David tells us, blessed is the man whose sin the Lord does not count against him. Just praise the Lord. That is, that's what blessedness is all about. We sin, but he refuses to count our sin against us. And we go scot-free. Hallelujah. But God is just. He must punish sin. He must count sin against the sinner. But in God's plan, he counts our sins against another. Therefore, Paul tells us, again in 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 21, God made him, that is Jesus the Christ, God's eternal son, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us. That in him we might become what? The righteousness of God. And we see this in Isaiah 53, verse 4 and 5. Surely he, that is the suffering servant, surely he took up our infirmities and carried what? Our sorrows. Yet we considered him, we thought he was stricken by God, smitten by him and afflicted for his sin and his guilt. That's what we thought. But Isaiah tells us, no. But he was crucified. He was pierced. For our transgressions. He was crushed. For our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace. Was not upon us. But upon him. The glorious heaven sent substitute. Perfect God. Perfect man. Righteous servant. And by his wounds we are healed. We are saved. Hallelujah. We are justified. Praise you, O God. Let's praise him. And we read also by his knowledge, my righteous servant will justify many. So he does save us sinners. And we see him. In Isaiah 61, we preached last Sunday, but let's read it again. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. To comfort all who mourn. And provide for those who grieve in Zion. To bestow on them 
a crown of beauty in place of ashes. The oil of gladness in place of mourning. (laughs) There is the substitution. And a garment of praise instead of our old spirit of despair. They'll be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord. And finally, the purpose for the display of God's splendor. Hallelujah. We are not saved to display our splendor. See me. We are recreated. We are the handiwork of God to display always His glory. His holiness, His righteousness, His salvation, His hope. Yes, we are redeemed by the Lord. Look at it, verse 12. They'll be called the holy people. Isaiah 62, verse 12. They'll be called the holy people. Now, the redeemed of the Lord. That's that's very important. There it is. God is accomplishing His work through the Redeemer. We are the redeemed of the Lord. Let's never forget this reality. We were slaves of sin. We were captives of Satan. We needed a redeemer. A kinsman. Who is able and willing and ready to redeem us by paying a ransom. God's son became a man without sin. And by his death he redeemed us from all captivity. From all slavery. He set us free. To serve God. In righteousness. That's why. Our righteousness shines out like the dawn. And our salvation. Like blazing torch. Redeemer. Hallelujah. He redeemed us. And St. Peter understood this. When he wrote his first epistle. Chapter 1 verse 18. For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your forefathers. But we were redeemed with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. Our salvation was planned by the Father from all eternity. And was accomplished in time by the Son. And the Spirit of God applies this salvation to us. And thus we become heirs of salvation. We become righteousness of God. Our righteousness shines out like the dawn. And our salvation like the blazing torch. And even now the Spirit of God is... Involved in that work of saving people. Truly our righteousness, which is the righteousness of Christ, even now shines out like the dawn. And our salvation like a blazing torch. In spite of, come on now, our frequent failures and frequent stumbling and frequent sin. In thought and in word and in deed. Yet that's not all of our reality. There is something fundamental, radical, heavenly, miraculous has taken place in your life. You are different. Hallelujah. You are righteousness of God. 
Hallelujah. Not only Christ accomplished our redemption. We are told here, look at verse 6. I have posted watchmen on your walls, O Jerusalem. Not only Christ accomplished our redemption, he has appointed, that is the word, watchmen on the walls of Jerusalem for the protection of the people, for their warning, for their protection, for their education, for their guidance. Watchmen have been appointed. Not you appointed. Who appointed? God appointed them. Let's turn to another place where the watchman idea appears. 56 verse 10 through 12. A good description of modern preachers. This is nothing new. It was true in the ancient times. Look at it. Israel's watchmen are what? blind. They are supposed to see the danger and warn the people from the wall, from the tower but they are what? Blind! Israel's watchmen are blind. They all lack knowledge. They are all mute dogs. They are supposed to bark but they are mute dogs. They cannot bark. They lie around and dream. They love to sleep. They are dogs with mighty appetites. They never have enough. They are shepherds who lack understanding. They all turn to their own way. Each seeks his own gain. Filthy lucre. Come, each one cries, let me get wine, let us drink our fill of beer, and tomorrow will be like today, or even far better. Now, do you get the picture of modern preachers who will not bark, who will not see, who will not proclaim, who will not warn? They were blind, unqualified, in other words. Do you appoint a watchman who is blind? But they do in churches today, isn't it? In fact, blindness has become the basic qualification. They are blind, unqualified to see and warn the people of danger. They were false prophets. They did not have the knowledge of the word. They were lazy shepherds. They were hirelings who enjoyed a hedonistic lifestyle. They were unconcerned about the sheep. They were dumb dogs. They did not bark. They used to say DD after the name of a preacher is what? Dumb dogs. So when you see DD, that's what it means. He doesn't know anything. They did not bark. They can be likened to modern preachers who are ignorant of the gospel, who refuse to preach the word. They are those who reject the authority of the scriptures. They preach a false gospel with which to minister to felt needs of people. They speak about the purpose-driven life, but it has nothing to do with God's purpose. These silly preachers are looking for filthy lucre. They are the theological liberals. They are the modernists. They are the post-modernists. They are silly evangelicals and fraudulent charismatics. They kill the sheep and eat them. They fleece them, not feed them. Let's praise the Lord. Now why should we praise the Lord? Because you have somebody here who preaches it. That's right, you must praise the Lord. Hallelujah. But Christ has appointed here, we are told in verse 6, true watchmen in every age to pray and proclaim the gospel message. 
Turn to Isaiah 52 and let me read to you from verse 7 and 8 and so on. How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news, the gospel, who proclaim peace, who bring good tidings, who proclaim salvation, who say to Zion, your God reigns. And verse 8, listen, your watchmen, listen, your watchmen lift up their voices. Together they shout for joy. When the Lord returns to Zion, they will see it with their own eyes. Burst into songs of joy together. You ruins of Zion. <laughs> Speaking about good preachers. Uh, the true prophets who declare God's word. Turn with me to the book of Ephesians and chapter 4 and verse 11 and 12. Take a look at this. It was he that is the ascended Christ. It was he who having accomplished redemption, ascended into the heavens, it was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers, to prepare God's people for works of service, so that the body of Christ may be built up, and so on. It was he who gave you pastor, true pastor, appointed on the walls of Jerusalem. They are not blind, they see, they proclaim, they pray, they warn, they preach, they feed, not freeze. Or turn to 1 Corinthians 12, that great passage that speaks about the gifts of the Spirit. 1 Corinthians 12, the same Hebrew idea is here in verse 28. And in the church God has appointed. And in the church who has appointed God has appointed, first of all, apostles, second prophet, third teachers, then workers, miracles, and so on. Such watchmen will not be silenced and will not be silent. They will constantly pray to God to perform his sovereign purpose of saving his people. They will faithfully proclaim the gospel to the people because faith comes by hearing. They are not lazy. They are laboring at prayer and study and preaching. They are reminders of God. They remind God, O God, do what you have promised. Make your church the praise of the earth. Save the elect. Build your church. May her righteousness shine out like the dawn and her salvation like a blazing torch. O Lord, glorify yourself by glorifying the church. These watchmen are ever vigilant. They will not embrace the philosophy of the world. They are God's witnesses in the world. They are unafraid. They are faithful till death. They are God appointed. Turn to 132nd Psalm. And there you find David as a watchman doing the right job. 132nd Psalm. And let me read to you. David is saying, verse 4 and 5, I will allow no sleep to my eyes, no slumber to my eyelids, till I find a place for the Lord, a dwelling place for the mighty one of Jake. They are like the Syrophoenician woman who will not be put off. She will not go away until the Lord Jesus meets with her and performs a miracle for her demonized daughter. 
They are like the poor widow who comes to the unrighteous judge again and again and again until her case is heard. Watchmen, interceding, praying, wrestling in prayer, studying the scriptures, preaching the gospel no matter what. Because they are accountable to God, not to a board. They are like the friend who goes to his friend in the middle of the night and says, a friend came to see me, I have no bread. It's midnight, yes, I understand that. I understand you are in bed. I understand you don't want to be troubled. But I need bread. Three loaves. And he will not go away until he receives three loaves. Jesus Christ was the watchman. And he watched and he prayed in Gethsemane. And even before he prayed, read John 17, the great high priestly prayer of Jesus. Or turn with me uh, about St. Paul and the book of Acts chapter 20. And see how he is watching and careful and protecting the people. Acts 20, beginning with verse 28. Keep watch over yourselves and all the flock of which Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Be shepherds of the church of God which he bought with his own blood. I know that after I leave savage wolves will come in among you and will not spare the flock. And even from your own number. <laughs> men will arise and what? Distort the truth in order to draw away disciples after them. So they can take the money. And you see all over the world such false watchmen. False shepherds lifting money from people's pocket with no regard for their eternal salvation. Or turn to the book of Acts chapter 6 and listen to what St. Peter is saying. He understood that he is a watchman. Verse 3 and 4. Brothers choose seven men from among you. Who are known to be full of the spirit and wisdom. We will turn this responsibility over to them. And will give our attention to what? To prayer and the ministry of the word. See not only the son accomplished redemption. But he appointed watchmen to proclaim the gospel. That people may be saved. Number three, glorious church. Let's take a look at Isaiah 42. Here there is an interesting passage that speaks about the ministry of this Messiah, the suffering servant. Verse three, a bruised reed he will not break. Now, what is the use of a bruised reed? Is there any use? Absolutely worthless. And that's speaking about us when we were without strength, bruised reed, useless and worthless to be thrown out. But he will not break. He will make it strong. And what else? A smoldering wick he will not snuff out. We were smoking. We were not emitting light. We were smoking. Confusing people. We were confused and we were confusing people. And the Messiah came <laughs> And made us blazing torch. So notice then. Let's come to this glorious church. And you can you read it. But let me tell you verse 4. No longer they will be called deserted. <laughs> That's what we were. Deserted and desolate and lonely and divorced and miserable and wretched and confused. 
But that's in the past. Isn't that wonderful? Let's praise God. All that is in the past. Hallelujah. It's all gone now. It's all forgiven. It's all gone. You will not be called deserted. Let's turn to Isaiah 49 and let's pick up uh, something about this desertion business. Chapter 49, 14 through 16. But Zion said, the Lord has forsaken me. The Lord has forgotten me. Well, that's what Zion said. What, is, what was the truth? Listen. Can a mother forget the baby at her breast? This is God speaking in anthropomorphic form. What is the expected answer? No. And have no compassion on the child she has born. No. Though she may forget. Now this is true. <laughs> we see people throwing away their kids. We are a sophisticated nation killing our own babies. See that's what I that's what the scripture says. What is it? Though she may forget, I will not forget you. And not only that, see <laughs> he's reminding himself <laughs> how I have engraved you on the palms of my hands. Your walls are ever before me. Think about that, speaking about you. You are ever before God. God always thinking about you. God always receiving pleasure by looking at you. Not deserted, not desolate, not cursed. Look at verse 8. The Lord has sown by his right hand and by his mighty arm. Never again will I give your grain as food for your enemies. This is speaking about what God did when Israel became a covenant breaking people. The curse of the covenant came upon them. But you see, it's no longer the case. No more curse. Cursed ones have become blessed ones by divine grace. Let's praise God. See, that doesn't mean people don't forsake us. People don't abandon us. They do. Let's, let's turn to Second Timothy. Here is the heart cry of the apostle, the great watchman. He did his job. Well, let's take a look at pathetic language. You know that everyone in the province of Asia has what? Deserted me. Now this is tragic. Not even one. Everyone in the province of Asia. He's speaking about God's people. God's people in Asia for whom he labored. And whom he brought to the saving knowledge of Christ. Everyone in Asia what? deserted me or turn to 2nd Timothy 4 verse 10 for Demas because he loved this world has what deserted me Demas was a fellow minister he worked with him for many years but he deserted him and turn again 2nd Timothy 4 verse 16 at my first defense maybe in Rome now he's speaking not about Asians, he's speaking about Romans, the Europeans. At my first defense, no one came to my support, but everyone what? deserted me. You see, this is why I don't, I don't depend on people. Here is the real statement, everyone deserted me. But that's not all, he said. Look at verse 17 of chapter 4. But the Lord stood at my side. 
and gave me strength. You see, it says, not deserted. They, you will not be called what? Deserted. He will never desert you. He will stand by you. The glorious church, the resplendent church. This is about you. So I don't depend on anybody. I depend on God. He said, I will never leave you or forsake you. He who died in my place will stand with me. No matter what, he will stand with me. Your mother may forsake you. Your wife may forsake you. Your husband may forsake you. Your pastor may forsake you. Your best friend may forsake you. But he will not. Heavenly Father, we pray that you help us to put our faith in Jesus Christ alone for our eternal salvation. In Jesus' name, amen. You have been listening to Grace and Glory Audio, presenting this message from the Bible series on the book of Isaiah. Come back soon to hear more Bible teaching from Pastor P.G. Matthew. 